0: procrastination planet where we should be writing but we're back everybody i'm carly knight and with me is my special guest co-host jill white hi jill is another one of my fellow outlaw writers and she also recently self-published her novel Let me grab it here for a quick second. It's called Memoirs of a Feral Cat, A Curious Tale. Pity they can't
1: see the cover. (laughs) It's
0: a beautiful cover, too. I'm going to have to put the cover on the episode page. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah,
0: because it's a lovely cover, and everyone should behold it. (laughs) So today, we are going to talk about the self-publishing process, because there is more than one way to get your book out there. But first, we're going to get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, leave a five-star rating and a quick review. Doing both of those things helps to push us up the charts and get us noticed by more and more listeners because I need that validation in my life. I thrive on validation. I may as well just admit it. I mean. We all thrive on validation of some sort or another, but we're not allowed to admit it because somehow it makes us look needy and desperate and whatever, but you know what, to hell with it. I want my validation, damn it. <laughs> okay, so do all of that. Click on our donate page if you want to see a link to our Patreon. That way you can do your monthly pledge every month. That'll help with all of our expenses as far as hosting fees, updating equipment, because my little MIDI interface is, well, it's ailing a bit, I think. Also, you can go to the merch page, and that'll take you to our Teespring, and that way you can get yourself some nifty logo merch. Having a sticker of Procrastination Planet on your laptop or your Hydro Flask is going to make you look super cool. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Speaking of validation, I'm all for it. We need good feedback.
0: Yes, we do. Oh, and speaking of feedback, you can also email us at procrastinationplanetpod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. Say hi, um maybe don't let on if you're stalking us because that'd be a little creepy but just a quick hello and if you want us to read your email on the air we will do that okay don't forget to hit us up on social media twitter at procrast planet instagram at procrastination planet podcast facebook plain old procrastination planet although truth be told i've been neglecting the twitter and the facebook because instagram is my world i will try and get better about that but i'm being on brand with procrastination planet i think that does it for housekeeping Let's get on with our programming. We're going to talk about self-publishing. And again, Jill has um, self-published Memoirs of a Feral Cat. And I have self-published Confessions of a field Preacher's
1: Daughter. Available at Fine E. Taylor's. Ding! My book is available at Amazon. You can get it in the paperback or on Kindle. Very good. So we all have
0: our different reasons for self-publishing. I think I'd mentioned it on a couple of episodes, but with confessions of a failed preacher's daughter i wanted complete and total creative control over my book i mean aside from like the feedback i've gotten from my group i didn't want like some other outsider telling me what i'm supposed to have in my book or trying to radically change like what's at the heart of my book so um self-publishing just kind of gave me that control that i needed because i wanted my book to be the way i wanted it so
1: um what brought you to self-publishing jill Well, frankly, the regular agents and publishers weren't interested, so I I had sent away several emails. I lost track how many, and I always got back the, well, thank you very much, but at this point in time, your book is not what we're looking for. Oh, yeah, I know that whole... I've played the rejection game before. That's always fun. Right. Well, you know, I felt... Actually, I try to see it as being privileged. Like, oh, I'm right up there with J.K. Rowling and Stephen King, although they eventually got accepted. But I thought, you know, okay, at some point, you know, we're on the same road there. Yeah. And then I just thought, you know people in the group were going with self-publishing and they seem, you know, you for one and a few others, and they seem quite happy with it. And we had one woman in our group saying, oh, regular publishing, so old-fashioned. And I thought, I don't think so. But anyway, I just felt more encouraged to try it. Yeah. So I decided to go through Amazon. They, they had a step-by-step process and it was fairly easy to follow. You know, they had little videos. You could go through their one-step, two-step process. And it wasn't that difficult. Although I have to admit, I did cheat in that my husband is very techie he is a graphic designer and website designer and Uh he did the actual epub file for me oh wow yeah yeah i I am very lucky actually but they they do have steps they do try to help you if you're doing it yourself oh cool let's see i know wayne in our group he Mm -hmm. um
0: he self-publishes all of his stuff. So I was seeking out his advice. He was more than willing to help out too. He's like, if you need help publishing, let me know. And okay, so I had approached him about um, how to go about it. His thing was he wanted his books to be in independent bookstores because he and his partner, they, they kind of go around and they do like little mini book tours of books. Um, like representing queer artists in the area and whatnot, mm-hmm. and to get your books in those stores, you don't want to have like the um, Amazon Create Space imprint on there because like independent bookstores and Amazon are very much a conflict of interest. Okay. So I was kind of thinking in those terms too.
1: I've seen, I've heard his podcast, and yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. the one book he just published, and I didn't realize it was self-published. Yeah. Yeah, and I already saw it at the library. What
0: he was advising that I do is go through Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. And that way, your book will still get on Kindle when you um, have the ebook option, and the paperback will still be print-on-demand if you want to order on Amazon. But you're not limited to just that. You have other outlets like um, like other ebook formats, so people can get it on their
1: various tablets.
0: Yeah. If they do order through Amazon, they'll get a print on demand for that
1: anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because I went with Kindle Direct Publishing and I had to promise them a year Mm. just to stay with them. So I'm stuck with them for a year. But, you know, maybe my next book, I'll I'll try it differently, I think.
0: Yeah. If you decide you want to go through Kindle and you find like that's a good option for you, do they provide you with an ISBN? Yes, they do. Okay. It's not a separate purchase? No. Did you have to do that yourself? Yeah, I had to... um, since I wasn't going through Kindle and having them do all my stuff for me, I had to buy um, two separate ISBNs because you have to have one for your paperback and then you have to have one for your um, your what you call it your ebook. And if you decide to do an audiobook, you have to have an
1: ISBN for that as well. Um, okay, they said I didn't need one for my ebook oh. or for my Kindle. Interesting. Well, maybe if you're going with the different formats, maybe it's yeah. good to have one. So if I do change, you know, after a year, if I decide to go elsewhere, I guess I'd have to get a second ISB in.
0: Yeah, that might be something to consider. Okay. Are you thinking of going audio as well? Not with this particular one. I'm not, I'm kind of putting my energy into future projects. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point if I get a little more publicity and there's a little more demand for my book, I'll invest that effort in there because it's also expensive to do your um, audio book. Mm, okay. And with YA, self-publishing is, I feel like it's a little more expensive because you're still paying the same cost as you would publish any other book, but for YA, the price point is lower. Mm -hmm. So it's a little harder to make a profit. Your profit margins are smaller and
1: marketing is not my strong suit. Oh, mine either. (laughs) I'm terrible. And everybody keeps asking me, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And I'm like, uh, no, no, No. (laughs) you know, why don't you read at the bookstore? Well, yeah,
0: I should. (laughs) I went to, um, let's see, Napa Bookmine, they had a thing a few years back for local authors. They're in downtown Napa, and they also have a location at the Oxbow. Oh, nice. Yes. I think they're changing to a different location altogether because they were able to buy a building outright.
1: Okay. In Napa? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where were you and you were there reading? Um, We didn't get around to reading, but we um, had tables set up for us. Okay. And since I was Napa County, you know, I got to get in. Oh, and which, which store were you at? The one downtown. And downtown. Yeah. It's larger and it's more bookstore-ish. Mm-hmm. It has that bookstore feel to it. Right. The other one is a little more touristy. It's... Um, well, Expo's all booths, really, yeah. isn't it? So they have kind of a booth-esque
1: thing going on. Right. Did you get a good turnout? Yeah. Pretty good turnout. Oh, Sold a couple great. of copies. That's great. Yeah. We should do that.
0: We <laughs> get some of yeah. this together oh from the Outlaws. Oh, <sighs> that would be cool. Because I know Janine wants to do a thing. She wanted to do a thing where... Um, Like where I have a reading of my book, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a little too late. My book was written during a quieter, gentler time when Tumblr was still a relevant social media platform and Uh Prince Harry was still single. (laughs) <laughs> and blogging was still a thing. So you think it's a little outdated now? I feel like maybe it is if I do just my own reading for
1: a book I published a few years ago. That people I'm sure could still relate to it.
0: Yeah. Right? Although if we do like an outlaws thing altogether, like we all group up and we have an event maybe at the coffee shop or some other place. Maybe one of the bookshops around in Bleo or Napa. Yeah. Or- oh my God. I bet the alibi would do something like that. Are you familiar with that
1: bookstore? Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, my gosh. Is that a good idea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got to write that down. Okay, I'm, writing that excited. down. All right, I'm writing right, that write, down. It I'm writing that down. I'm super excited.
1: Thank you, Jill. Okay, anytime.
0: But yeah, if we have an event with all of us who've mm-hmm. who've self-published, mm-hmm. then we can do a big event and then it's not just a case of I'm
1: promoting my book a few years too late kind of thing. Oh, I mean, mine's going to be old soon, I'm sure. you know.
0: <laughs> but if we all have our thing where we have our works out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be
1: fun. You know, plus. Don't mind the popping of my thermos lid. <laughs> that was champagne don't let her <laughs> <fool you. laughs> no but with a group of us together and we support each other and yeah, even even just our family idea. members showed up it'd still be a good size group right exactly
0: <laughs> work in a little bit of reading maybe just like a like a page or something so we're yeah. not monopolizing everybody's time just a page could we stop at just a page <laughs> a teaser <laughs> a little teaser if you want the okay. rest all right <laughs> got it something like that yeah yeah. Because I know Janine wanted to organize something going on. That's, so. Yeah, we should. We should encourage that. Yes. So marketing. Don't don't come here for marketing advice. I'm just going to say <laughs> that right now.
1: I know Jack and shit. Otherwise, I probably have more <laughs> listeners and more Patreon <laughs> money going in. It's not easy. I, I signed up for Twitter. I'm not very good on it. I haven't been back for a little bit. I went on it for a while, actually in the summer. And then when I start work again in September, I kind of slid back to my old habits. Oh, yeah. Oh God, this
0: semester has just been crazy. A lot of work. There's my workload, so I've not been writing as much. I've confessed only writing like two or three times a week. I think that's better than nothing. At least you're still trying, right? Yeah, I'm usually trying to get in my last minute business before I
1: have to submit my work to the group. <laughs> <laughs> and usually comes out quite good. So, yeah. you know.
0: And then with the fires and then the PG&E oh, power gosh. outage, the shutdowns. Campus has been shut down quite a bit. Really? Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. The yeah. power outage campus was closed for a week we had a couple of days where campus was closed because of the fires before that Mm -hmm. and it's like my academic momentum has kind of slowed down and now we have all these other um, kind of midterm and final projects coming up and I'm just like I have to ramp up again for this (laughs) so are you are they sticking to the same old schedule or did they give you a few extra days Um, they've kind of well they're sticking to the same schedule but a lot
1: of professors have kind of revised the syllabus a little bit okay that's good.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Probably be hard for them to change because the schedules, I believe, are made way in advance.
0: Yeah. And I'm just waiting for the semester to be done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it might be the semester that tanks my 4.0. Oh, no. Ugh, but 4.0 is very impressive. It is. <laughs> I didn't have the 4.0 my first go-round in college. I mean, it was still 3.0 point something, but I was, I was oh. dicking around a bunch. This time I'm, like, focused because mm-hmm. I'm a
1: grown lady doing her midlife career change. And it's definitely a different dynamic. It is. You know exactly what you want and you know how to go for it as well. Yeah. And you haven't got the angst of this, you know, 20 something, you know.
0: Yeah. It's my advice to the young whippers and out there. <laughs> Enjoy that whole being young shit while you got it.
1: Seriously.
0: Because you're going to want it back. <laughs> well, I just want to have like the body I had at 25 back. I was going to say, don't make them regret getting older. Yeah. I'd like to
1: have my 25 year old body but my 43 year old brain oh my gosh how many times have I said it? if I only knew then but I know now yeah I had a lot of cringe moments then which I'm trying to block out so
0: oh yes the cringy teens and 20s my um. god a lot, lot of cringiness because your brains not finished cooking oh, I was that, <laughs> that what it is
1: yeah your brains not
0: quite finished cooking till you're like 24 25 okay oh funny story too like speaking of that motivation What was it? Last semester in one of my classes, one of my classmates was like, God, I was just tempted to sleep in and just, he commutes a little bit, but I commute out even further. Right. And he's like, how do you do it? And I said, (laughs) this is my, this is my do-over college. I have no room to slack.
1: (laughs) This is your second chance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You change careers like like five five to seven times in a lifetime anyway. So... I'm just like, hey, this is the career change, and I'm a lot more serious about it now than I was when I was young and still trying to like find my bliss and whatnot.
1: Right. I had no idea what I wanted to do for ages. Yeah. And then it's such a, it's like a light bulb goes on when you finally figure it out.
0: Yeah. Like the whole teaching thing, one of my instructors had put that bug in my bonnet mm-hmm. when I decided to go back to school. Right. I'm just like, okay, I'll get a certification for like... I wanted to get like some kind of certification for gainful employment until I figure out what it is I want to do Mm -hmm. because I burned out of doing hair, my back noped out of it and all that repetitive
1: motion, it just messed up my back. Wow, I never knew that. Didn't realize hairdressing could be such a dangerous job. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was bad on the legs because you're on your feet all day. That too.
0: But um, I freelanced it for a bit and then I realized, okay,
1: I need a little more stability. Mm -hmm. So I went
0: back to school for that and then one of my instructors put the bug in my bonnet about teaching. I'm like, oh my God, it all makes so much sense. I like the teaching aspect of everything I've done.
1: How did he realize that you would make a good teacher? What What were you doing that made him realize, Carly, you should be a teacher?
0: We're doing our um, our personality tests, like the uh, Myers-Briggs, ah. the ENFJ, and also like what's a career path we want to do, that kind of thing. So it turned out to be a really useful class. Okay, wish I did that years ago. Yeah. Okay, so we covered... Um, I covered Ingram Spark. And if you do decide to go the route that's not Amazon to self publish, you go through Boker if you want to buy your ISBNs. Boker, okay. Yeah. And I can put links to that on the on the episode
1: page for our bonus content. And Ingram Spark is a website like Amazon that you go through. Do they yeah. help you through it like Amazon does? It's not as um not as handholdy
0: mm-hmm. for um but they do print on demand. Mm-hmm. That way, you're not going through like one of these vanity presses where they make you buy a whole bunch of copies that are going to sit in the in the storehouse or somewhere. Exactly. You're not stuck with a bunch of copies that may or may not
1: sell. Mm -hmm. It's print on demand. So you like Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So same kind of thing. Right. And what I like about Amazon and probably Ingram Spark as well, I've gone back and made a couple of changes. You know, I hate to admit it, I, I did send it to an editor, but mm-hmm. there were a couple of typos, you know, mm-hmm. and I had my sister read through it. And she, you know, sent me back this long text. I'm going, oh, my gosh. So I, I went back and um, made all the corrections, which is great, you know, and although I feel bad for those who bought it early on, you know, but hopefully yeah. you can see beyond that. Exactly. It's a wonderful book.
0: And. <laughs> Even those of us who make really clean copy still have typos. I've noticed when I was tinkering through my book and tinkering and tinkering and tinkering to death, there's always going to be something. I know. Even that little comma escapes you. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe it was in my acknowledgments that I had misused comma. Diana pointed that out to me.
1: (laughs) One of our comma queens oh, yes. in our group. There are a couple of those. I think Janine's one of them, too. Yeah, I said no one reads the acknowledgments. That's
0: okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to me, a comma's not so bad. It's when there's this spelling error or something. I'm mm. going, oh, my gosh.
0: I can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Also, too, I think as far as like self-publishing, Preacher's Daughter, If I were to try and go the agent editor traditional publishing route, the time it takes for you to get accepted to full publication is at least a year and a half. I didn't realize that. It's that long. Mm -hmm. It's a long process. So I didn't want my stuff to be dated by the time I published. (laughs) I mean, it's already dated after publishing, but still it's a product of its time (laughs) and still like universal messages and shit like that. So there we go. Let's go with it. Okay. But I didn't want to take the time to get a new agent and editor Mm -hmm. and then go through all that process either with my other books since they're... um, mysteries I'm kind of a newbie to the mystery writing genre so I am more than happy to
1: get editorial feedback on that kind of thing so especially for a period piece right mhm um, another thing I like about Amazon and maybe Ingram Sparks does it too they have a report page Oh. And you can look and see how many you've sold. Oh yeah. And you, the royalty and I think, oh my gosh, I'm getting royalties. That's mm-hmm. so cool. <laughs> you know. And, yeah, definitely. So that's kind of fun. I'd be more fun if I sold more, of course, when yeah. was it Miles in our group said he sold forty five thousand <gasps> you have no idea how hard I slumped in that chair, you know when I heard oh, that. Oh my gosh. I thought I don't think I even sold forty five. I own, hate you, Miles. <laughs> I, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> little <laughs> on the forty yeah. I'm not jealous at all. No. No. no, no me neither. Not in the least. <laughs> no, I'm just sad, you know. I've had yeah. a white boy a tear, but never mind.
0: One perfect crystalline (laughs) tear. Nobody noticed.
1: (laughs) Let's see. What did you do to make sure your book looked professional? Well, I went to the bookstore. Actually, one thing I did before publishing it, I would go to the bookstore and look at the you know the side the spine mm-hmm. and i would see what stood out you know so when people would look at spines you know like, like what color what type of title blends would catch your eye mm-hmm. and then one thing my husband did he um he had made a couple of covers I don't know if you were there. I think I brought them to the group one night and everybody was putting one, two, three on it. Oh, yeah. Just to get some idea, you know, what would be popular. And then he did a page with these little thumbnails of each book, you know, with the covers showing like oh, an nice. Amazon book page. And the cover that you see on that book was the one that stood out as soon as he, you opened it. And he had not only the other covers, but also other books on there. Your eye was just drawn to that cover. So that was one thing I did was was look at covers, look at fonts yeah. and colors to see what stood out. Very good. And then I used to, you know, a number of years ago, I taught some software packages, mostly Microsoft, and I knew about widows and orphans. And one thing I wanted to make sure was not to have any widows and orphans, which is like at the bottom of the page, like the uh, one line that oh, belonged yeah. to the paragraph on the next page. And then everything else is blank after that. Well, it's just a line by itself that starts a paragraph at the bottom. And the rest you want to have two lines at the bottom okay or two lines at the top that ends a paragraph okay and because um, I looked at your book and you didn't have any which is good and so when um, I'm looking to check <laughs> I didn't notice any okay <laughs> before you <laughs> catch me out okay and then um, with Amazon they have a previewer and so when I'm going through the previewer you know before you do the final acceptance I noticed a lot of them and so Ooh. yeah I had to go back and say you know Brian I'm sorry but we have to get rid of those widows and orphans he said there's no guarantee with the um the Kindle but at least on the paperback he could work on it
0: yeah if the ebook you can't guarantee that I had because um, Cheryl who used to be in our group yeah she um she does a lot of reading on Kindle mm-hmm. and so I asked her if I could send her my EPUB file oh what a good idea yeah And so we kind of went over if anything looked kind of funky. As far as like widows and orphans, you can't guarantee that part because people will change like the font size or the font itself. Right. Yeah. So she said, don't worry about that part. Mm -hmm. But as far as anything else looking kind of funky, like if the margins weren't right or if there's some kind of other funkiness with the formatting, Mm -hmm. trying to get your work from say a Word doc to the EPUB file, there's going to get some stuff that gets corrupted when translating from one file type to another. Yeah. So... Like i took all
1: the formats out try to keep it as simple as possible
0: word will put like extra stuff in their coding
1: yeah and
0: also word formats um
1: the formatting gets corrupted
0: over time so like an older file is gonna pull up funkier than a newer file if you're gonna try and make it into an epub okay yeah to get my work into epub format i used Calibre. I don't know what that is. It's um, a software that helps you like convert to an EPUB format. okay. And that way... Does it I, clean it up for you? Yeah, cleans it up. It codes it because okay. you have to upload that kind of code. Mm-hmm. I'm not a techie. I'm... I'm married to one, but I I didn't want to make him take a busman's holiday. I wanted to see what I could do myself. But there's some things where... You're more adventurous than I am. I got my limits. (laughs) There was something where the word formatting, it was corrupted on one particular line, and I couldn't fix it no matter what. And he had to go in and HTML it, and I'm like... I can't do that. But luckily, there was nothing else that was funky with it. Okay. So so even through the, what was it called? Colibre? Colibre, yeah. They couldn't clean that up. Yeah, there was, it just refused to clean up because he said the error was on words end because they like to add a bunch of extra stuff. I believe it. Yeah. They can't just do a straight, clean format. No. They like to add a bunch of extra code and whatnot, which is... I'm like, okay, honey, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. but <laughs> Spare me the details, yeah. Don't explain more, because you'll just confuse me. But he cleaned up that little bit for mm-hmm. me. I mean, he kind of showed me how to how to
1: use the software a little bit. The Colibre software? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, like I had visions of it, like, putting it through something, and it launders it for you, so you can actually man- manipulate yes. it. <laughs> Colibre! The font laundering. <laughs> You know, and comes out all clean. Yeah, (laughs) it comes out clean at the
0: end. Your
1: book laundering service.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) I love that idea book laundering. (laughs) Well, so I'm impressed you did all that yourself. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll have to do that myself next time. I always try to find easy ways out.
0: (laughs) Oh, same here. Believe me. I wanted to talk about formatting the paperback itself. Okay. I found what you have to do. Okay, this is something that we ding our fellow writers for if they submit their manuscript. Like if they're, like, what you call it? The indents. Mm. Like if the indent is too narrow and you can't see it, (laughs) We're like, come on, indent your stuff, indent your stuff. Little margins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) However, when you switch your manuscript over to um, the A5 size, which is required when you want to um, use the trade paperback size, Mm -hmm. if you hit the tab key for your indent, it's going to look like a giant indent. So you have to have the indent of half that size. Okay. When you hit the tab key, it's like hitting the space bar 10 times. Right, right. But what you want when you're self-publishing for your trade paperback you only hit the space
1: key five times you don't want that big tab okay well i know in um like in word you know it is preferable the program to use the indent feature rather than the tab key unless ah. you're making you know Columns. I can't remember if I got rid of all the indents, and then maybe Brian put them in when he was um, just translate the right word, or when or he, he was redoing, reformatting the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get old. Your memory goes anyway. <laughs> got the old lady here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh,
0: well, that's okay. I just remembered I had to um, I had
1: to readjust the margins a mm-hmm,
0: little bit. Mm-hmm. Mirrored margins are your friend. that mirrored feature. Right. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think what I would do differently, though, I like what you did is you put your page numbers in the center at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think I want to do that one next time. What did you do? I ended up with my pages at the corner, but they wouldn't mirror for them to be at each corner. So oh, right. all of the page numbers are at the right-hand side. Right. You wanted them in the two opposite corners. Yes. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going for for and it just refused to do that and i'm like uh. fuck it and i don't remember why i didn't consider the center bottom i don't know why that wasn't in my head but uh. i had a thousand other things in my head during the process yeah. so oh well well you know you try it doesn't work you yeah do something else I would do that differently i think that would be the one area where my book looks a little bit homemade But everything else, I feel like
1: I had a professional look. Your book looked great. Thank you. I feel like my little paw prints at the top. That's cute. Oh, do you like that? I thought. I I love it. Because it's corny.
0: You give it some flair, but you didn't go crazy with. Oh my God! I just discovered desktop publishing, and I want to use all the fancy stuff. (laughs) It's just enough. I was censored
1: on a lot, believe me.
0: Yeah, it was just enough to give it a little A little, zhuzh. little meow. Yeah, a little bit of meow. It's very mew mew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is some slang from Memoirs of a Feral Cat. Yes. Available on Amazon. In paperback or Kindle. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Got to get that call to action in the middle of the podcast, too. I'm taking my sip of coffee real loud because I'm a professional. <laughs> So the thing that we also ding people on when they submit their printout manuscript is justified margins. Right. However, when you self-publish, you want those margins justified. You want smooth margins on both sides rather than the smooth margin on the left and then the ragged margin on the back on the right. So and I think part of it, um, we ding our fellow critiquers for the justified margins and the teeny tiny tabs or teeny tiny indents, sorry. Because when you submit your work for traditional publishing, you want the regular tabs, you want the ragged right margin. It's a different kind of formatting because when your book gets accepted for publication, they're going to do whatever it is that they do to get mm-hmm. it published
1: and formatted their own way. One thing I noticed, is just a little tiny detail. Some people do too. They double space after the period. No. <laughs> and I know in the old days with a typewriter, that's what you had yeah. to do. It was a typewriter convention because everything was jumbled together. But now with all these nice fonts and whatnot, you don't need to do that. Exactly. And if
0: you self-publish and you have two spaces after a period people are gonna know it's self-published it's gonna look that way homemade yes (laughs) there's no shame in self-publishing self-publishing is awesome especially if you really want that creative control and especially if you kick all kinds of ass at marketing and promotion it's definitely a really good option for a lot of people however The mistake happens when you self-publish and your book looks really amateurish and then you kind of add to the stigma right you want it to look really good and you you
1: don't want it polished and you don't want people to be um what's the word distracted by that because i think that happens too you want people to read through but if they see something that they're not used to seeing yeah i think it distracts from the reading
0: exactly so what i did was i looked at a lot of books that were traditionally published in the ya market and i just wanted to see what a professional book looks like i just kind of poured over the formatting i wanted to make sure my margins were like the right size always give yourself a little extra margin like in the gutter. On the inside. Yeah, on the inside. That way your words don't get lost in that, what they call
1: the gutter. In the um, the stapling or the b- binding of the book or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and you have to rip it open to see what.
0: <laughs> so if you do the mirrored margins, you wanna make sure you have like um, an inch of indent in mm-hmm. that kind of area. Okay. That way your formatting doesn't get lost. I'd also looked at all kinds of information on what makes a book look professional versus amateur. So one of the things that'll get you clocked is if you have straight quotes instead of smart quotes, which are the curved quotes. Okay. Also, you know, like when you create a dash with two hyphens? You want to make sure it looks like an M-dash, just one big solid line. If you have the two hyphens, then it looks amateurish.
1: And that's, I think, maybe where it helps to have a good editor, too, because they can tell you that if you don't know yourself. Like, I'm not always sure when to use an M-dash. So it helps to have someone look at it and provide you with that information. That's another thing that's going to put me on the traditional publishing path, too,
0: is with my two books in progress right now, I would need a professional edit. With my other book, Confessions of a Failed Preacher's Daughter, now available at fine e <laughs> i had a little more leeway because i wrote it in blog format from like a teenager's point of view and i had a little more room for like formatting right unconventionality is that the term i'm looking for i had a little more room to be unconventional i didn't have to be as proper per se with all of my usage like grammatical you were <laughs> yes i was very improper although i did kind of write from the point of someone who is slightly
1: uptight it worked it really worked it, it's a fun book to read oh thank you and i got through it really it's you know you get through it quickly such a page turner thank you absolutely
0: yeah so i made sure i had um consistent oh yeah that was a thing that didn't quite translate well the first time around when i was doing the epub format was like my little headers so that was something that got a little bit funky so what did you do I forgot what I did because it was so long ago, but I just, (laughs) I knew I had to have it done. Okay. It looked fine when I had the EPUB format on Calibre and then I emailed the file to Cheryl and she's like, oh yeah, this got a little bit, a little bit crazy here. And so I had to do some fixes on that.
1: Fine tuning there. Well, it's good you uh, emailed it to her.
0: Yeah. It wasn't something you could blame on making the font size bigger or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those where, oh, that looks like it's going to bleed onto the next page or whatever, or the previous page. If you're going to self-publish, always look at traditionally published books. That way you can kind of model what a professional book looks like. Because you do want to make sure your books look as professional as possible. People do judge books by their covers and they do judge Literally, the book yeah. by the appearance of the content before they get to read the content. Did you look around in bookstores too? What did you do? I basically looked at all the YA on my shelf. I did look at bookstores too. I also was looking there for um, what the price points would be. Mm. And if a price point was higher, how much higher was the page count? Oh, okay. That kind of thing, too. Did Ingram Spark give you any price suggestions? Um, not really. I don't remember any price suggestions uh, on there. Because
1: Amazon did that. I think that. they had, like, where you can start it. Oh, okay. Amazon did that, which I was really grateful for. You know, especially with the paperback, because they told you what the cost of the paperback was. Yeah. So you had to cover that cost. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, this was their suggestion first book or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, until you start selling really well, we suggest you do this. Yeah. We and also for the Kindle, too. Yeah, we were given what the cost was for publishing each unit. Mm-hmm.
0: So that was fine. And why your profit would be from each yeah that was really helpful
1: since you know i'm so new to this
0: there was a table that said if you go with this price point this would be your profit okay we so did, they did, did do have that. that yeah so yeah that's really corrected
1: <laughs> my memory
0: is a little fuzzy well we're kind of nudging it to <laughs> clear it up we're going all marie kondo on my brain <laughs> taking out what's not spark and joy <laughs> i think too when you format your book professionally, you're showing your reader, you care what your book looks like, you care that your reader is getting a nicely created product. And when you show that care, they're more likely to buy it. If it looks like you just slapped it together and said, here, give me your money. Well, that's how they're going to feel. That's true with anything, right? Anything sloppily put together yeah. isn't going to attract anyone to yeah. it. You don't want that sloppy look. And again, you don't want to contribute to the stigma of self-publishing, I mean, the stigma now is like almost nil, because self-publishing is kind of a norm now, mm-hmm. especially with eBooks and whatnot. It's become a little more democratized, as it were. And I think that's kind of cool. mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be a big self-publishing stigma going around. But when you had these tales, God, what was it? Um, the late 2000s, early 10s. There were a couple of authors who made like millions self-publishing.
1: Was it The Kite Runner? Was he one of them? Um, I don't know if it was the kite runner. I could be wrong, but there was somebody and I thought, oh my gosh, it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I know
0: Amanda Hawking did YA Paranormal. She kind of hit that spot at just the right time too. Right. The timing was also, everything. Yeah, Her marketing skills were pretty on point as well. That really <sighs> helped. That kind of thing helped take away the stigma of being a self-published writer. When people are successful
1: at it. And, yeah. yeah. And it's becoming accepted. Yeah. And self-published books can be really good. Right. People. People who do um, serials, you know, bring in the same characters for every novel, like these romance novels or mysteries, Mm -hmm. you know, they tend to have a large following. Yes. I've read about a few who are self-published who did that.
0: Yeah. And there's some authors who, um, like Jackie Collins, may she rest in peace. Yes. Toward the end of her career, she decided to self-publish her um, most recent novel. And how did it do? Did pretty damn well, because she's Jackie motherfucking Collins. (laughs) And then there was another author... um,
1: I'm going to pause here while we do a quick Google. I'll just go back to the ones I was talking about who self-published and write the series, the mystery series and all that. They do spend a lot of time marketing, too. So Yeah, my marketing skills are not the best. I need to get better at that. Yep. What are you Googling?
0: Oh, um, Elisa Valdez. She wrote the Dirty Girls Social Club at the height of the Chiclet Okay. sort of genre. But she did that one. She did a sequel. And then her her publishers were like, OK, chicklet is starting to go on on the wayside and really so she had to write some other books and kind of fulfill her contract I think that's how the story goes don't quote me on everything I'm just going off the top of my head here but she was starting to feel really dissatisfied with how her publishing career was going and her fans were like I want more of those dirty girls books and she wanted to give the fans what they wanted but the publishers like well it's chick lit it's not gonna do well and she just said to hell with it and self published for that one and She did
1: well. Yeah. So she went with her gut. Mm -hmm. Publishers aren't always right.
0: Yeah. They tend to be
1: a little more conservative because they want to see what's going to sell. So a friend of mine had emailed me about a friend of hers who also published, but she went through something called authorhouse.com. You ever heard of that? No, I haven't. And I'm told there are, I guess, a number of companies like that. So it's still self-publishing, but I think you pay them and they will do, they'll take you through, you know, they'll edit your book. Um, help you publish and they'll even help you market it and she said her friend was really happy with it okay and i thought you know it could be something else i could explore you know with another book down the road you gotta write it first though right definitely also always look at reviews and whatnot
0: right oh what was the forum i I probably had it on my old blog about like vetting different agents and publishers. What was it? The author's water cooler forum.
1: It should be called that. I like that name. Yeah. I went through a book that Tim had recommended the literary agents, um, something. Yeah. Oh yeah. The absolute right water cooler forum. The absolute right. Mm -hmm. W R I T. Yeah.
0: I got a, (laughs) um, I got a link to that in our bonus content, but they have a whole section on, um, vetting various editors various publishers Mm -hmm. if a particular self-publishing outfit is scammy or not oh yeah the bewares recommendations and background check section that would be that's good yeah yeah you know people will kind of talk about their experiences Mm -hmm. if an agent is really slow to respond if an agent is surprisingly quick to respond how long does it take to get from query to acceptance or rejection if an agent is flaky. That is very helpful. Yeah. So whichever route you decide to go, you just want to make sure you're not getting scammed on the way. Exactly. Because there are going to be like um, predatory sort of publishing outfits that prey on the fact that that prey on authors who want to get their work out
1: there. And we're so vulnerable because we so badly want to get it out there. Yes. They take advantage of you. Yeah.
0: And luckily, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool cynic who trusts nobody. So (laughs) (laughs) I
1: just assume everything's a scam. That's the safest, definitely
0: yeah but on the other hand you don't want to be so cynical that you turn down an opportunity yeah an opportunity
1: that is truly good finding that happy balance mm-hmm. another thing i did coming out of right field maybe saying this but i also looked at cat books and who the publishers were that published those books oh, fun. <laughs> i tried a couple of those and, and it didn't work but i thought well yeah. nothing ventured nothing gained exactly so anyway, in this particular case, self-publishing was definitely the way to go if I wanted to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, you get fed up trying to email 101 <laughs> agents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I know how that goes. And it's definitely a book that, um, that needed to get out there. She's got wonderful stories in there from the point of view of a molly cat. Thank you. They're very
1: adorable and very colorfully written. And I never realized there's so much out there about cats. Yeah. Every city, not every city, but so many places like in Japan, there's an island where uh-huh. they have cats. Oh yeah, and then you've got um, Hemingway's place
0: in Cuba with all of those cats. Okay. Or was it in Key West? I thought or Key West. Yeah. Okay, I know he he spent a lot of time in Cuba, so I'm completely there. Cats there too, but Key West. Yeah, there's um, all those cats there. Mm-hmm. But an island of cats in Japan—that
1: is—that's something I read about. And then some Turkish movie came out a few years ago about feeding cats. You know, the the ferals in the city. Oh, I never watched it. I should. You know, do more research you know
0: yeah we have a few ferals in our neighborhood do they help keep the mice population down yes we haven't had a mouse problem yet so that's good at our old house we had four of them but it was just an exploratory run and they're like nope (laughs) we have a terrier in the house yeah
1: i guess the two don't go together very well
0: yeah but um oh gosh what was it we had an incident where charlie i think had cornered a mouse but there was this little gate that we kept between um well i had collapsed the baby gate Because we tried the baby gate method on Charlie and he jumped the baby gate. So that was not going to work. I'm like, fine, you get free reign at the house, you win. So I'd collapsed the baby gate and I just kind of stashed it between the wall and the desk Mm -hmm. in my den at the time. And I think the mouse was hiding behind that little space and Charlie knew that there was a mouse there, Ah. but he couldn't get at it because of that collapsed gate. And then it ran and I freaked out. And so then he freaked out. (laughs) He picks up on my anxiety. Bless his heart, that poor little dog. So did the mouse get away? Got away. We set out um, one of those catch and release traps Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to get like the snap traps because I didn't want Charlie to find the trap and get injured. And sticky traps are just plain cruel. That's just that's just mean. Yeah. At least kill the mouse if you must. And we didn't want to go with um, decon or some other poison because, again, Charlie might think, hey, mouse, oh, wait, I'm poisoned, too. Yeah. We found catch and release traps that Charlie wouldn't be able to get into. Put a little peanut butter in there. And then we had hardwood floors in this house. And so when we heard this knocking, I'm like, okay, there's a mouse. We caught one. (laughs) And so take the trap, put it in the shoebox, go out to the park and then release it. Oh. I figure either the mouse is going to find a new home or a cat will get it and circle of life. Yeah
1: exactly so 50 50 chance <laughs> our cat when well, i had our cat she used to get the we, lizards we have a lot of lizards and i like lizards i love lizards you know, they eat all the little mosquitoes and stuff but mm-hmm. used to break my heart when she'd come up to me with a lizard Aww. you know in her mouth but that's what cats
0: do best right yeah they love to catch critters and give yeah. you gifts All right. I think we had a good talk about the self-publishing process and some fun little digressions involving animals. It's not completely off topic because one of the books we discussed was Memoirs of a Feral Cat. I'm holding up this book as if I have a camera in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Memoirs of a Feral Cat by Jill White, available on Amazon. You can either get the trade paperback or the ebook version. So I will link to her book in the show notes and also on the episode page at ProcrastinationPlanet.com. Any last words, Jill? I had a lot of fun, Carly. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on here. It was Uh, good to have you. My pleasure. And I would like to see you on here again if you would ever want to oblige me. No pressure. I would love to. Cool. All right. So don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. Five-star rating and a quick review gets Procrastination Planet noticed by other listeners and that way... We can turn this hobby into a side hustle. I got two dogs and a mortgage and some equipment to upgrade. So no pressure or anything like that. Okay, I'm Carly Knight. I'm Jill White. And we rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight. Our logo is designed by Sea Trojan of Sea Trojan Art. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Jamendo Licensing. Check us out at ProcrastinationPlanet.com. Over there, you can catch links to our bonus content for every episode, as well as links to our Patreon and our Teespring pages. All other sound at Procrastination Planet is courtesy of Charlie and Holly our official podcast puppies. Don't forget to drop us an email at procrastinationplanetpod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing.